0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. And in just a little bit, Mary, will thank all of our sponsors and partners who make Lessons in Leadership possible. But I want to kick off the program with, uh, for the first time, it will not be the last time he joins us, Dr. Stanton L. Brown, Executive Director and Professor in the Practice of Leadership at the Bucino Leadership Institute with our longtime partner Seton Hall University. Dr.
1: Brown, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You got it. We see the Seton Hall logo behind you. And let me ask you this. Uh, You come to Seton Hall and the Bucino Leadership Institute, where I've taught and I've learned so much from your students there and your colleagues. You come from a very diverse background in corporate America and other places. Your philosophy and approach to leadership developed by so many. Who would you say if you had to pick one, possibly two, the most significant influencers of your leadership approach and philosophy would be. Oh
1: wow, um, I probably have two or three, but uh, let me give you one at a time. Um, one was my my father, Sherman Brown, senior, um, and a big part of why I would you know say he's a role model was a role model for me was just being able to lead through adversity. You know, he he and my mom raised uh, three boys. Um, you know, through the 70s, 80s and, and and 90s. Um, and I never heard a peep of a complaint from him. And so I think from a leadership perspective, being able to go through whether it's crucible moments, uh downturns in your life, whatever it might be happening in an environment, but no one else knows that you're suffering, right? Because you're always being a servant and being a servant leader. So actually I'll I'll stay with that one because it's it's just been sort of a guiding point in my life, you know, he left, left us over you know, maybe 15 years ago, but it stays uh, true to my heart about how I lead and leading the way he would. Your father. You yeah. know, it's interesting. I was
2: going
0: to ask you this later, but it, it cries out, Mary. I know you want to jump in, but this cries out for me to ask this now. The Buccino Leadership Institute that I've come to know very well, and, and I've known, met many of your students as I'm teaching a master class on, on leadership and crisis communication, for many years now. And Mary has two college-age sons. We have two college-age sons. You deal with your students all the time. The word grit, when you were talking about mm-hmm. your dad, um, you didn't use the word, but it seems to me, doesn't com- didn't complain no matter how tough times were. Mm-hmm. He had a tremendous amount of grit, and he imbued that in you. Long-winded way to get to this question. There are some who argue that younger people, college students today coming out, that they lack the quote grit needed to get through tough times because too many of us have told them too often how great they are and they're not necessarily, a lot of generalizations here I know, they're not great at hearing tough talk and tough conversations and they don't have a lot of grit. I don't know if I buy it. What do you say, doctor?
1: Yeah, well, and I think that's our fault. I also have a a college age, you know, junior, and uh, sometimes we're we're protecting our kids so much right um and i think with my my dad call it grit, call it resilience um it's sort of something that you learn um as you grow up and go through experiences and i think as parents um uh, sometimes i spent some time in the in the k-12 uh, uh industry running charter schools and, and leading there uh we want to protect them so much but they need these experiences so um, you know, I would say, and, and again, I've I've been so impressed with the students um, in in our program at the Casino Leadership in- Institute, um, and a lot of them have have been through some stuff, and they've 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 gotten that grit. You know, got a lot of things happened in their life before they got here that took that edge off. Um, but, but others, you know, uh, need to go through some experiences, and some are going to go through it later in life, mm. um, and some go through it early. Um, but I I'm all, also a believer in in grit, and it's, it's kind of hard to teach. Um, And that's why if you have, you know, experiential learning, what we do here that sort of anchors our curriculum um, can put you uh, in those situations, at least in a somewhat safe environment before you go out in the real world. Um, But I I believe that's important that you got to be resilient and have grit to be able to manage, uh, you know, changes in your environment.
0: If a global pandemic hasn't taught us the need for resilience and grit, I don't know what will. Go ahead, Mary.
3: Yeah, one thing that I was thinking about as you were talking is the connection between we have our young adults. I know the Bacino Leadership Institute prides itself in taking students from different disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're bringing them into this cohort, this group of students. Some may be a computer science major. Some may be art. Some may be an English major. Some may be political science. How, what advice do you have for young adults today to remain open-minded to others, points of view, especially tied to leadership, because when you bring all those people into a room, there must be conflicting views. What is the, what is your viewpoint and what is your hope for the bacino Leadership Institute in that regard?
1: Sure. That, that's a great question. Great point is, so I have the belief, and I, I've been in a lot of different places from insurance companies to big, you know, uh, 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 banks and very small uh, schools, you know, that you try to run. And I would tell you, that uh, I would tell students that you have to honor the diversity of thought. And there's many aspects of, of, of diversity, but particularly diversity of thought, um, because you're gonna learn from that. So respect that people have different ways, uh, different routes to a solution. Um, and I experienced that, you know, I, w- I was trained to, to, you know, as a management consultant, is that, you know, this is how you help a client get there and you get there pretty quickly and you have different tools and methodology. And then when I jump into the K-12 industry and part of higher ed, they ju- just think differently. Um, no less smarter, um, maybe a little bit smarter than, than, than other folks I found in the industry, but there's different routes to get there. So if you don't respect that, and as a leader, you're gonna miss what the answer is because the answer is all around you. And so I think that respecting the diversity of thought and that's why we put our, our students in these uh, interdisciplinary teams Mary, uh, so they could see how a, a someone who's going to start in nursing and then you have a finance person that together on a project and they may come at it differently. Right. Because they go through there's just different ways, particularly as they go through their years here at Seton Hall, um, different ways that been being taught to think. And in a leadership organization, I want you to be able to take all that in and they make decisions collectively and then individually, too, based on that diversity of thought to come up with a really good solution.
0: So, so stay on that, um, Dr. Brown. And by the way, Dr. Brown goes by Stan. Did you did you tell us before we got on the other that you have an identical twin?
1: Yes, I you know I go by uh, Steve too uh, sometimes. <laughs> my my father used to call us Stave uh, Steve, and we say. I, I we love that there was probably names. a
3: lot of trickery though through the years. We do though with my dad, my sister, and I are not identical twins, but we sound exactly the same on the phone. So we will often play tricks on my dad and pretend like we're one another on the phone, which is just too funny.
1: We didn't do it when we were younger but when we were older we, we tried some of that <laughs> as adults.
3: But you but hold on.
1: Doctor, do you actually go by Steve at home? I I'm I'll see people on the street and they'll have a discussion with me and think I am my brother and I just continue it because <laughs> oh, it I takes too it. long to oh, explain you're identical I love, yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. this easier. Let's shift gears again real quick. So the master class that I've been honored to teach for several years at the Buccino Leadership Institute is about, let's call it, the connection between leadership in challenging times. So mm-hmm. what we often do without going into a lot of detail is create a crisis, a problem, a situation, things you've been dealing with, doctor, for years in all various uh, leadership roles. And we say, all right, here's the situation. It's a problem. Now, you've got to be the leader communicating to these various audiences on what the situation is, what we need to do, and we do a tough Q&A with them. And we put them under a lot of pressure, which is why I'm so impressed by the students who signed up for this. Question, in your mind, what is the correlation, the connection, Dr. Brown, between being a great leader and being a solid, confident communicator under pressure?
1: Got you. Um, It is almost one and the same, right? So you could be... A great thinker, um, tactician. You have the answer. You made the calculation. You've done all this stuff. If you cannot communicate and influence people, that um, you have a path to be able to follow, you're going to be dead in the water, right? And even you know, we see that in our in our politics. And the world about is about how can I convince people? Have the decision science behind me that I can present to folks who like to. that type of stuff or read it but also have people to be able to follow me so folks are not going to follow you i don't care what type of answer you got um it's not going to work if you are also um you know what they i guess what the kids say into your feelings right you caught some feelings um you're also um you know you're you're emoting right uh along with everyone else because you're in a crisis is that folks can't hear that you have a solution and so I think being able to, and that's part of communication, that's part of, particularly with, you know, our, our millennials and Gen Z's that, that, you know, it's claimed that their attention span is a lot shorter because of everything they're exposed to, is that how do I get people's attention right away? Yes, and the phone and, and knowing what's true, what's false, you know, there's a lot of uh, conflicting information um, and just what do you you know what do you do at that that period of time? So it's very important to be an effective communicator. That's in your speech and how you write. Um, you have you know you have to teach kids nowadays in college how to go back to to writing and be able to write something you know, of, you know critically and have it believable. Um, and then you know your posture and the etiquette you take when you're inside a meeting that folks see your executive presence and know that oh. You, you you, know, the way you're, you're standing, the way you're um, moving your hands, um, obviously what you put on the screen, if you're using PowerPoint, just makes sense and communicates that yeah. you have some sense of uh, what the direction should be.
0: To Seton Hall University's credit and the Bucino Leadership Institute, um, the fact that they acknowledge the importance, regardless of what someone's major is, and they have this diverse group of students at the Bucino Leadership Institute, To understand the importance of having executive presence, as Dr. Brown said, particularly in in pressure-filled situations, that is leadership. It's not some separate skill set. I don't care what field you're in. I'll get off my soapbox on this. It doesn't matter the field you're in. You're going to be in a tough Q&A where you're asked tough questions in front of a tough, challenging audience. And if you fold because it's too uncomfortable, you can't make a difference. You can't lead. All right, I'm off my soapbox, Dr. Brown. Um, I look forward to being on campus very soon again. We thank you and all of your colleagues at the Bucino Leadership Institute and our great friends and partners at Seton Hall University. Thank you, doctor.
1: You're welcome. Wonderful to be here. You
0: got it. I'm Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, and that's Dr. Steve Stan Stanton Brown. He's got a (laughs) lot of names, but he's the director of the Institute. We'll see you right after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by... The Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. Prager Metis. Valley Bank. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. The North Ward Center. The New Jersey Sharing Network. Delta Dental of New Jersey. The Helix. Fedway Associates, Inc. Veolia, Resourcing the World. Choose New Jersey and Seton Hall University. Showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
3: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIA NJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth.
2: The essence of the North Ward Center is ingrained in our values, thoughts, and actions. What began as a storefront on Bloomfield Avenue has evolved into a life-changing community nonprofit. The mansion is steeped in tradition, but with all of its grandeur, the true essence of the North Ward Center is in the people we serve. So as the North Ward Center commemorates 50 years of service, let's also celebrate the many opportunities yet to come.
0: That's right. We got him back. He is the superintendent of the Newark Public Schools, Roger Leone, and he is... Tell me if this is right, my friend. You are celebrating your fifth anniversary as superintendent, right?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me back on. And yes, this is the start of my sixth year. Uh, Extremely excited about that.
0: How quickly... I know it's a cliche, Roger. How quickly have these five years gone by for you as the leader?
4: Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, in that uh, the realization of my dream from when I was really uh, young uh, is in existence right now. And the fact that it continues yet for another five years uh, is equally rewarding.
0: Go back to, wait,
4: wait hold on. Growing up, tell everyone where you grew up. So um, if people don't know, born in the city of Newark, attended Newark schools, was a teacher, Uh, in the city. I'm from the, although I was born in the South Ward, I I grew up in the East Ward. Um, Oh, you mean down neck? Down neck, Ironbound section. Yes. Hawkins Street School, Hyatt Court Projects. Absolutely. And then ultimately, um, as I, I became a teacher, both at Hawkins and at Rafael Hernandez in the city of Newark, became an administrative principal of Horton and University then an assistant superintendent for 11 years. And then what I'm doing right now is something that, you know, when principals were talking to me when I was much younger, um, they said that there was this person in our school system that was a superintendent of schools and that the superintendent's job was to help make the dreams of children realized. And at five years old, I was like, that's what I wanna do. I wanna make other kids' dreams real. And I've been blessed um uh to be given that opportunity and uh assuming it in full i am love it go ahead mary because i got a whole bunch of things i want to ask roger go ahead.
3: oh so do i and i and i have the question that i think everybody wants to know what are you most proud of for over the past five years i've got to know leadership communication uh, and achievement and initiative what are you most proud of
4: oh my goodness so um obviously uh, there are a whole host of things, uh, given the realities of what we lived, uh, since 2020 with the pandemic, uh, there are some national trends that are occurring that are not being realized in Newark. One of them is in fact um, the reduction of enrollment, which is a national issue in terms of students not in school. So we've opened up, I just opened up the Nelson Mandela Elementary School uh, at the start of this school year. It's the ninth school that I've opened since my start. Our enrollment is increasing. We have about 39,000 students in our schools. Um, Just uh, less than a decade ago, we had about 34,000 plus students in our schools. So we've increased the uh, high school redesign strategy and the partners that are assisting us in that work. It has been really resulting in the intended uh, goals. We have students graduating. Uh, the class of 23 graduated with $94 million in college scholarships as an example of kind of the progress that we've made in a very short time period. The highlight just of last week alone, uh, President of the United States and the Secretary of Education uh, identified Technology High School as one of the country's blue ribbon schools for 2023. So it it now joins a repertoire of of schools in Newark that are of distinction uh, and highlighting that has obviously been icing on the cake.
0: And make sure we put up the website for the Newark Public Schools so people can find out more about what's going on there. Roger, you know, in one hand, you know, we're we're we're, we're happy, proud of the work you've done. We celebrate your fifth year, uh, going into your sixth year, but this is a tough one. Unless it's in leadership, we talk about juggling different demands. Let me try this one for you, right? You've got your students, 39,000, right? Yes. They come first, always. You've got your teachers. You've got your teacher's union. you got parents. And you got the P word, politicians in the community. How the heck, as a leader, do you juggle all those demands and interests and still put your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep, clear conscience?
4: Sure. So the reality of everything that I've lived as a child from this city I, I, since my kindergarten teachers, Ms. DelVal and Carol Pavlo, um, uh, through my high school mentor, Mr. Ferran in debate, um, I've been blessed with having the very best instructional staff members educating me. The three principals, the, actually four principals, two in elementary school, two in high school that I had, Howard C- Caesar, Dr. Gene Fody. Um, uh, Gene Fody, wow. Pat Restano and Mr. Majors. Those four men and all of my incredible teaching staff members always instilled in me as a kid that which I'm bringing to the superintendency. And that is while all of those factors exist and are true, that being centered on kids is always the focus. And that when we're having conversations that involve adults, that the whole idea that children at the center is one of the district's five core values is is not only because I believe that it is true, but that this organization subscribes to that as a reality. And that we know that there are a bunch of factors we could go, oh, well, this occurred, this occurred, this occurred, how is that keeping children at the center? That we're so large. Uh, in in New Jersey, that in fact, sometimes the communication may not be as clear uh, to really focus everyone on all that is important. So what has been uh, good for me and easy to put my head on the pillow is that I know that every night I go to sleep and every morning that I wake up, it's what are we doing for kids, keeping them focused, uh, keeping everyone focused on that Uh, Mm. ultimately has been uh, the most of everything that has been rewarding, the most rewarding because ultimately at the end, the only way that we make the city of Newark better and the rest of the world, because children in Newark need to understand that the world is going to become better because they are in it, uh, is the education of our children. Good stuff. Mary, go ahead.
3: Yeah. Roger, I'm really curious about this. Has the messaging changed or is it going to change for our young adults post-pandemic? And I will say post-pandemic for those students now that are, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors who went through so many years of uncertainty, so many years of hybrid learning. How has that messaging changed for them in terms of how do they prioritize their own success? What skills are they going to need to go into the workforce or has it changed at all?
4: Yeah. So um, a lot has actually changed. Uh, the um, I think we would have been here anyway, but probably not as fast as we are, uh, that there's this whole s- virtual space that our students and that we instructionally were really not leveraging. We were doing it. There were opportunities historically that we've had in the district where with interactive television classrooms, we were providing students in that world. But the the fact that the pandemic moved us closer to there changed instruction uh, a great deal as well as uh, the preparation of our students and their parents at home because we actually had to convert um, kitchens and living rooms and bedrooms into classrooms for us. So the whole uh, increasing uh, not only the technology Wi-Fi access, hotspots, we're all pandemic driven. Um, But I'm pretty confident that we would have eventually been in a place where we are at one to one where we are right now. As it relates to students and their preparedness, that's extremely important because we did learn that uh, what we do know that in the workforce, part of what our students are going to need to be able to do successfully is not only is is not only to think, but to be able to articulate that thought. And in the work that we've done in debate, and especially in speech, and definitely in the in the work that we did in stand and deliver, the ability to articulate that thought verbally and in writing is extremely important. And I guess the the last point that I'll I'll make on here is that we've always known, but the uh, ability for our students to be as savvy as necessary um, has been realized um, more so than not um, uh, as a result of the pandemic with regards to emotional intelligence needs of our students, being able to be savvy enough, even though they're younger, to read the room, to actually be able to see that the words that they are saying, using, coming out of their mouth, what are the implications of it? To allow the room to be a learning lab, if you will, so that when they read it right, they know how to respond. Our students find themselves more times than not in situations where they're assuming what somebody is saying and thinking, and that's simply because they really didn't read it right when they were actually thinking and assuming something else. You know, the final point about what the superintendent is saying,
0: for 20 plus years, our organization ran a program called Stand and Deliver, which. Uh, the superintendent made mention of. Mary ran that program for 22 years, Mary? Yeah. 22 years. An after-school initiative where we taught, coached, mentored young people to be the best public communicators they can be. The message came from Gandhi, I believe. We asked everyone to be the change. We said, make a presentation about a change in your community that you want to see. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Now, we ran that program 22 years now, and every high school, public high school in the city of Newark participated in it. Virtually every one of those young adults were black or brown. And their futures, what so many people think so little of them and what they can do, we believe differently. And we saw young men and women grow and communicate in confidence and in a way that was extraordinary. Now, the Newark public schools has taken have taken over that Initiative and Roger, your final words on the importance of that. Not to plug us, because you and your team run that program now. Stand and deliver for those young men and women in the North Public Schools, disproportionately African American, Hispanic. Matters so much because.
4: Yeah, I I I think I would want to footnote that the whole idea. That our world is going to become better because of the, the children of Newark is the, is the foundation and premise That's of right. all, And that the idea that people may not necessarily think favorably about their interaction with someone who is from Newark is not only a sad reality for them because but it's true. they're just not benefiting from the fact that their lives could be better if they actually thought differently. I would want to highlight that sometimes that negative thinking influences our students as well, that our students start hearing that, oh, Newark this, Newark that, or That's the right. this Newark are, that they then start believing that they are less than. And when they are not happens. that. They are not. So one of the five core values that we have is cultivating agency, where we empower students to become advocates for themselves and for others that the focus is that they are an agent of change. This is a lot embedded in That's the work right. that I know that you all uh, have done. So the idea that our 10-year strategic plan is focusing our young people and the community on the importance of the role that they play is influenced by the public service announcements that we're launching. 11 public service announcements that are spearheaded and led in fact by our students, sending strong messages to their um classmates across the entire city of Newark to let them know how valued they are and how much things will be better because they exist. That's superintendent,
0: Roger Leon. Fifth year, his anniversary, five years going into his sixth year. We've been partners for a long time on behalf of the young men and women in the Newark Public Schools. Thank you, our good friend, Roger Leon. Thank you, sir. appreciate being on. You got it. We got a couple minutes left right after this. Stay with us. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIA NJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. So there it is, Mary. Got a, about a minute and a half left. Roger Leon, Dr. Brown from Seton Hall. Important messaging, but here's the thing I took from it. It's so clear to me that so many people expect so little from inner city youth, and they're wrong. They miscalculate, they underestimate, and our lives, and I'm not going to make this a commercial for us, but for 20-plus years, we dedicated ourselves to helping those young men and women find their voice, to speak out about change, not just talk it, but live it. how important?
3: So important. And I'm just so excited for the future, not only from you know the Nork Public Schools and the students that Roger referred to, but to Dr. Brown talking about the students coming out of the Pasino Leadership Institute. The more that our institutions, both of higher learning, also our, you know, K through 12, can focus on these essential leadership and communication skills and instill them and the importance of them in our students, not just memorization of historical facts no. and all of that, but actually just being good human beings being aware and being able to communicate and confident in their communication to me is key.
0: And finally, Mary and I got to see close up young men and women from the city of Newark, uh, Brick City, my hometown, find their voice, find their confidence and get up on a stage and be the leaders and communicators they're capable of being. There is nothing more rewarding than that. So on behalf of Mary and uh, Elvin and Frank and Scarlett and our entire team Lessons in Leadership, we'll see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Menace, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
3: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to Stand-Deliver.com. That's Stand-Deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. CIA NJ and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth.
2: The essence of the Northward Center is ingrained in our values, thoughts, and actions. What began as a storefront on Bloomfield Avenue has evolved into a life-changing community nonprofit. The mansion is steeped in tradition, but with all of its grandeur, the true essence of the North Ward Center is in the people we serve. So as the North Ward Center commemorates 50 years of service, let's also celebrate the many opportunities yet to come.